Well, welcome everybody to Downtown Harbor Church. If it's your first time here, my name is John. I'm the executive director. Let me just wish you guys happy Mother's Day. I texted my mom at 6 in the morning this morning just to let her know that I was thinking about her. So that's covered for the day. I'll call her after service too, just in case she wants a phone call. Anyway, so we are in this brand new series. Let me pull this a little bit more for us all. Called The Power of Thought. And what we're trying to do here is basically have a conversation about this idea that our thoughts and our emotions, our mind, whatever you want to call it, can impact our life dramatically, sometimes for the positive, sometimes for the negative. But how do we, as followers of Jesus or just people in general, how do we begin to harness the power of our thought so that our lives can be better off? So last week we talked about anxiety. And um, I just have to say, I thought this was perhaps one of the finest messages we've done here at DHC. I always bust Adam's chops because he says every message is powerful. I don't know if you've caught on to this. I said, but last week's was powerful. And if you heard it, you know what I'm talking about. And if you've missed it, you need to go back and listen. Um, If you don't suffer with anxiety, I'm sure there's some little worries in your life. But this is just a good message with some great tools for you or for people that you know who may suffer with it. So, SoFloChurch.com, you can find it, or on iTunes, it's there, go and get it. But this week we're talking about confidence. Um, And I'm not talking about having confidence in your appearance, like you can step into a room and feel great about yourself, or even confidence in your job or at school. What I want to talk to you about today specifically is confidence in decision-making. Because we all have to make decisions in life. It's just, you know, on the day-to-day, and there's little decisions, and then there's big decisions. And if you're a follower of Jesus, if you call yourself a Christian, when it comes to your decisions in life, you just always want to know that you and God are on the same page, right? I mean, you agree with this. Like, you just want to say, all right, I want to make sure that I'm doing the right thing, that when I make this decision, God's going to be happy with it, that he's going to bless it, and everything is going to be just fine. In fact, What do you think the number one question is we actually receive here? I mean, other than the question of, hey, let me ask you a question. Is this a sin, right? Someone always says, like, let me ask you a question. I'm about to do this thing. Is this a sin? Generally speaking, as an aside, if you're asking, is it a sin? It probably is, but even if it's not, just kind of proceed with caution, whatever you're about to do. But the number one question we get is, how do I know if I'm doing the right thing? With this decision that I'm about to make, how do I know that I'm going to be doing the right thing? right? Or how do I know if I'm doing the wrong thing? And there's a lot of decisions in this life. Let me go through a couple ones that you guys might do. Number one, should I take this job? Should I move out of the state for this job? Should I leave this job, right? What, 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 God, what does God want me to do? I, I don't know. How about should I get married? Is this the person for me? I love this person. I think I love this person, right? Should we get married? I just, I just don't know. Should we have kids? And if we should have kids, is now the time? Like, wh- when, when should we do it? I just, these are, these are big, major life decisions. Should we buy that house? This is a major, major decision. My buddy right now is going through buying a house, and if you've bought a house before, you know that you get your realtor, right, and it's fun, and you look at all these houses, and, like, you start picturing your kids playing in the backyard. You're saying, oh, we can paint this wall. We can take this down. And it's so exciting. And then you have to get the mortgage, right? And that dream becomes a nightmare. You know this, and it's so stressful. And all of a sudden, you're just like, oh, my God, I just don't know if this is the right decision. Should we do this? Is this a mistake? I thought we wanted it. Now I don't know. What do we do? And all of a sudden, you find yourself saying, God, help me. God, I just need, I just need your help. Should I do this or shouldn't I do this? I just don't know. And we've all been there. Whatever that decision is in your life, you've all said, God, I just need to hear from you. Well, there's good news, because God actually wants you to know what he wants you to do. 
God wants you to know what he wants you to do. The Bible's very clear about this. God has a plan for your life. He does. Talks about it time and time again. He's got a plan for your day-to-day, your year-to-year, right? He's got a plan for you in his big story that you can impact people in a way that you might never know, but he has a plan for your life. So if it's true that he wants you to know what he wants you to do, and if it's true that he has a plan for your life, then the major question we have to answer is, how do we hear from God? And I don't mean like audibly, how do we hear from God, right? The fact of the matter is that even though I'm in ministry, I'm not sure I'm ready to audibly hear from God, right? My nervous system can just not handle that, right? I'm so keyed up that even when my wife like drops a fork on the dinner plate, I'm shook for 15 minutes. I just can't handle that. So if I heard the voice of God, it's just over with. It's just done with. But you can hear from God. It is absolutely 100% positive. It can happen. So how do we hear from God and then act on it? right? How can we hear from God, know that we've heard from God, and then be confident to act on it? So as we have this discussion today, I want to frame it using a picture. There's a funnel. So you think about a funnel, everything goes in the top and comes out the bottom. So for you, you've got all these decisions you've got to make, right? And you're running through all the various permutations of what will happen if I do this, what will happen if I do that, right? You know how it all goes. Well, today what I want to do is help you guys use this idea to funnel all of your concepts down so it's distilled into an answer so that you can know for certain that you've heard from God and you can have confidence to say, yes, I can proceed or no, I shouldn't proceed. So um, this is just an aside about this picture. I was um, having lunch with two friends this week and they said, hey, as uh, executive director of DHC, what is like the, you know, your day-to-day look like? What do, you do, what do you do during the week? I look at pictures of funnels. I Googled for eight minutes looking at pictures of funnels. I found a nice red one. There was like a stainless steel one. There was a nice clear one, but I thought that wouldn't show up. This is what I went to school for, Googling images of funnels. What do you do during the week? Anyway, so here's the idea. First and foremost, forget like your issue, because if you're like me, you're like, this is amazing because I have this decision and he's gonna talk about it. This is totally a God thing. He's gonna tell me exactly what to do. This is a God thing for you. But forget this issue because we're gonna talk about decisions in general and hopefully set you up with a formula that you can use to be confident for future decisions. So let me give you a foundation for all of us so that we can just sort of set the scene about who God is and what he is in our life. And it's in Proverbs. And if you've been at church for any length of time, you've probably heard this. If not, let me read it for you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. So this is Solomon talking about this. And we talked about Solomon in the big story. He is the wisest man that ever lived. And here's what I think he's saying in this passage. Number one, I think he's saying life is confusing. Life is confusing. You've got a lot of decisions, right? You've got a lot of obstacles. There's a lot of struggles. And what we tend to do is we tend to lean on our own understanding. We try to go, how do I I get myself out of this? What do I need to do? How do I make this work? And we start to stress ourselves out. And Solomon is saying, "Mm, don't do that. Don't look to yourself for the answer. Trust in God. He goes on. He says, seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Right? He's saying, if we want a clear path, seek God's will. If we want a clear path, we need to seek God's will. You, all you got to do, you got to ask him, and he will show you which way to go. He will give you an answer to your question, and he will make it plainly evident 
what he wants you to do. So the question is this, where do we start? If this is in fact the case, how do we begin? So if you're a note taker, or if you're a person who kind of takes pictures of the screens because you don't want to write down, here's where you're going to want to start. Because I'm going to tell you exactly what you need to do to hear from God and be confident. Number one, seek counsel from others. Talk to your friends, right? Talk to your family. We do this naturally, right? An issue comes up and you just say, all right, hey, listen, what do you think about this? Dad, I got this going on. What do, you, what, what do you think I should do? We do this naturally, but this is a biblical principle. Proverbs 12, 15 says this. The way of the fool seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. Solomon is the author of this. He goes on and he says, where there is no guidance, the people fall. But in abundance of counselors, there is victory. What he's trying to get at is this. If you want to make wise decisions, invite wise people into your life. So the fact of the matter is that we don't all have a bunch of friends who are Einsteins, right? We don't all have a lot of wise friends. So what I want to do is give you some guidelines that you can use when you begin to talk to people, when you begin to talk to coworkers or friends or family and you seek advice. Number one, you need to talk to people that have nothing to lose by telling you the truth, right? Because what happens is our friends don't want to tell us the truth, right? They're, they may sugarcoat it a little bit, right? Because they don't want to hurt your feelings, right? They may hold back the truth. So let me give you an example, a real live example of how this works. So um, my best friend Scott is sitting in the audience. Scott, I just got a haircut. What do you think? I look like a pencil. <laughs> okay, there you go. I look like a pencil, right? Fine. I, got, I came home yesterday with this fresh haircut, and my mother-in-law goes, did you get a haircut? I said, yeah, what do you think? She goes, did your wife see it? <laughs> okay. But these are the people you need in your life, people who will tell you the truth no matter what. Find people who will tell you the truth no matter what. Number two, you need, you need to talk to people who have success in the area in which you need help. For example, let's say you're thinking about getting a loan or, or taking out a mortgage or, or doing some kind of investing. Talk to somebody who does well financially, who's had success because they know what they're talking about. Too often, we ask people advice who have no idea what they're talking about, right? My dad calls this shared ignorance. It's basically just two dummies going at it, all right? Talk to people who've done well in the area in which you need advice. You're laughing because you've been there, right? You ask somebody advice and you go, this guy has no idea what they're talking about, and now I'm stuck and I'm shaking the head. Oh, thank you very much. This is great, all right? Talk to people who know what they're talking about, if possible. Talk to multiple people. Get a couple of different opinions, okay? But you have to exercise caution in this because a couple of things happen. Sometimes we talk to too many people. We talk to too many people, we get too many opinions, and now we're just like worse off than ever. Sometimes when you find yourself asking a lot of people, what ends up happening is you're just not getting the answer you want. So be cautious of those two things. Also, you're going to want to talk to someone you know and someone you don't know. Someone who is close to you, who knows your situation intimately and can give you advice. And then somebody who has no skin in the game at all, who can just look in and go, eh, this is not a good idea. Don't go. Don't proceed. And last but not least, and most importantly, go into this conversation sensitive to the fact that God might actually speak to you. Because the Bible is very clear. God speaks to us through our friends. He speaks to us through counseling, all right? So be sensitive to the fact that you might actually hear from God. One of the things that happens is when we talk to our friends, if you're not willing to take advice, let me say this. If you're a person who's not willing to take advice from friends, 
you might actually have a pride issue going on. And you need to understand that asking counsel from friends is not a less spiritual approach. It, this, is, this is core. There are full chapters of the Bible that are talking about this. This is core. When you think you have your answer, the next thing you want to do, step two, is this. Filter your answer through Scripture. You want to make sure that what you're actually going to be deciding on lines up with Scripture, that this is something that God approves of. Here's what we know about Scripture. Paul talks about this in 2 Timothy. He says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. What he's saying is that you could trust the Bible. Although the Bible was written by the hands of man, it was inspired by God, and there's so much in there that you can learn from. So how do you use the Bible? Because some of you may not read the Bible. I mean, I get it. It's kind of difficult to read. So if this is the case, and, and he's challenging us to read the Bible, where do you start? A couple of methods. Number one, there's the praying point. This is very famous. I do not recommend doing this at all, but let me show you how this works. So let's say, for example, um, I want to propose to my girlfriend. And we go to God, all right, God, I need to hear from you right now. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to just randomly open up the Bible, and I'm going to close my eyes, and I'm going to point. And what I land on, because uh, I'm asking you, is going to be the verse that's going to give me the answer. You've done this. I know you have because I know some of you. You open it up, and you say, dear Lord, speak to me. Here we go. Boom. And, like, inevitably, you land on a blank piece of paper, like, the, you know, and you're like, okay, my fault. Start over. New page, new page. Here we go, God. Do it for me, all right? You open it up, and you're like, Okay. And lo, the Israelites are coming out of the valley bearing gifts for the Amalekites. Interesting. Interesting. So what you're saying is, I'm like the Israelites, and this gift is like the ring, and, sh and okay, I got it. I need to propose. Don't do this. Don't do the praying point. Okay? Do not do the praying point. That is not why the Bible was written. Another thing you can do, parallel situations. You say, all right, well, I've got this going on in my life. So I'm going to open up the Bible, and I'm going to try to find a situation that closely resembles mine. This actually can be kind of helpful, but only so much, because our context is very different from their context. We're all individuals. Our lives are different, right? I doubt God's going to be asking you to build an ark, right? It's just not going to happen, right? I doubt he's going to ask you to sacrifice your son in some mountain in Israel. Not going to be happening, right? So use this one very loosely. I don't really even recommend this one. What you need to be doing when you filter your decisions through the Bible is you need to be looking for principles. This is what you're looking for when you read the Bible. What's a principle? A principle is an unchangeable truth. This is how God teaches us, through unchangeable truths. So a command is do this, don't do that. A principle is here's what happens when you do this. Here's what happens when you do that. Because you want to know, well, what's going to happen when I make this decision? You're looking for a cause and effect, and that's what principles are for. And that's why you're searching for them. For example, here's, here's a non-biblical principle. Gravity, right? Gravity exists whether you pray about it or not. If I walk off this stage, I'm going to hit the ground. We just know that to be the case. That's, that's an example of a principle. So if you're new to reading the Bible and you go to read it, you're going to learn about God, and you're going to learn something that you may not have known. And here's how Isaiah talks about what you'll find when you learn about God. This is God speaking right here. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, and neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. He goes on. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, 
and my thoughts than your thoughts. See, God is saying, okay, I, I created you in my image, but we are very different. The way that we think and the way that we operate are very different. You have to understand that from God, he has an eternal perspective. He can see the past. He can see the present. He can see the future. He can see it independently. He can see it all together. So he knows exactly what your decision is and how it's going to play out. But us, we only have a temporal. We can only see the here and the now. And even then, we're just kind of grasping at straws. We just don't really know. And when we start to read the Bible and we start to look at his ways and we start to look at his thoughts, what we learn is that our logic might actually be illogical from God's perspective. We thought we had it all figured out. All of a sudden, we read the God and we're going, oh my gosh, I was like totally going to do the wrong thing. See, have you ever heard the phrase, let your conscience be your guide? Let your conscience be your guide, right? You know who said this? Not God. God did not say this. I think it was like Jiminy Cricket, maybe, or like Pinocchio or something. But we love this, and we're like, just use your gut. Don't use your gut, God is saying, right? Your gut's going to steer you wrong. I mean, it might get you there sometimes, but like, don't use your conscience or your gut. He's saying, use me. What he's actually doing through this whole process is he's inviting us to learn more about him. He's inviting you into a journey to read the Bible, to study his words, to study his thoughts, to study his ways. Let me ask you a question. Is there anybody in your life that you just know their ways, like you just know what they're going to do? For instance, like your parents. I feel like everybody just knows their parents so well. Think about this. Like, I remember one time, buddy was like, hey, big party, Friday night. You in? I'm like, can't go. Well, what do you mean? Parents won't let me. You didn't even ask them. I just told, it's not going to happen. I just know them. I don't even need to ask. I just know that's not going to happen. I know where that party is. They're going to say no, right? You know what I'm talking about. What God is saying is, you need to study me. Like you studied your parents, like you know the way they think, like you know the way they act, I need you to do that with me so that your ways begin to look more like my ways. Because you can get to a place in your life when you've read the scripture that you know God so well that those thoughts and our thoughts that were so different get more closely aligned. Paul, in the book of Romans, actually kind of talks about this. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This renewing of your mind means study God, learn about him, change the way you think. And when you do this, then, and really he's saying like, and only then, will you be able to test and approve what God's will is. Test and approve. It's this word called like discern, where you just understand and you just feel it and you just know what God wants. He's saying we can have confidence in knowing God's will. This is possible. You can have this, and you can have this by reading God's word. And what's so fascinating about actually saying, all right, I'm going to sit down, and I'm actually going to begin reading the Bible. What's so fascinating is that the process of discovering principles in the Bible is more beneficial than the product of having them. The process of reading it is more beneficial than having the answers. Here's another way of saying it. You went looking for your answer, and you found God along the way. You're going to find your answer. That's a guarantee. But you're going to find God along the way. Your relationship is going to grow. From reading that word of God, you're going to be better at life, and your life is going to be better. That is just the fact of the matter. So you've spoken with your friends, and you've gotten some really good advice. You filter it through Scripture, and you say, all right, this seems to square up with God's principles. Here's the last step. You need to ask God to clear a path 
or slam the door. You have to ask God to clear a path or slam the door. When you do this, and zone in because you've probably zoned out by now. I understand it's church. Zone back in because we're almost done. When you do this, you are asking God to supernaturally step into our world and step into your life, to to divinely get involved in your life. This is almost like what I'll call the nuclear option. And when you do this, you have to do a couple of things. Number one, you have to be judicious. It's a big word for meaning you have to show restraint. You can't use this every day. You can't use this for deciding, like, what am I going to eat for dinner? Or what am I going to wear? This is for major, major life decisions. When you do this, you have to be ready to listen because he will speak, trust me. And then lastly, and most importantly, you have to submit fully, meaning whatever he says, whether you like it or you don't like it, that's the answer, and you've got to do it. So how do you pray? How do you do this, this thing that I'm talking about? What does it look like? Well, here's how. It's going to be different for all of you, but it's going to be something like this. Dear God, I have, you know, I've got this big thing in my life, and I've prayed about it. I've spoken with friends about it, and, and it just, it seems like it squares up with your principles in the Bible, but I'm just not 100% sure, and I need to be sure. So my prayer today is that you would open the door. If this is your will, if this is what you want me to do, my prayer, God, is that you would open up the door, that you would clear a path, that it would be undeniable that this is what you want me to do, and that I will have a peace, a supernatural sense of peace about this, that this is what you want. But this is not your will. If I've made it this far and I'm wrong, slam the door shut. And you've heard people say, well, when one door opens, a window opens. Don't, don't do that. Don't go to the window. Slam this door shut, God. Make it in a way that I can't have any kind of mistake about this, that you do not want me to proceed. Red flag, stop. And he will answer that prayer. And when he does, it's time to act. So I want to give you a real-life example about how this works, and it's about DHC, Downtown Harbor Church. So we are in about our third year of operation. About five years ago, um, Adam and I began to just casually talk about, you know, around the lunch table, imagine if we had our own church, you know, just what would it look like kind of a thing. And he was like, oh, you know, we could do it. And I was like, ah, yeah, right, sure. And so, you know, we continued to talk about what it would look like, you know, if we started a church where people who have had a bad experience with church or no experience with church could go, or Christians who would give us the bandwidth to do what we need to do to reach that group. What would that look like? And he's like, I think we need to do this. He goes, I think we need to do this. And I wasn't sure. I mean, I'd been a Christian my whole life. I grew up in the church. My grandfather was a pastor. My great-grandfather was a pastor. But I just never saw myself kind of running a church. I just didn't know. So I was like, i got to start praying about this. And I, I prayed to God, and I said, if this is what you want me to do, I need two things in my life. I said, unprompted, I need my wife to come to me and say, you need to start a church. And then unprompted, I need my parents to come to me and say, you need to start a church. If I hear that, those two things, not just one, but both, I'm going to know that this is what you want for my life, that this is the path you want me to take. 
So I prayed that prayer. And I don't really remember how long it took. I think it was, it actually might have been a couple of months. And then randomly, my wife Jacqueline said to me, I think you and Adam need to start a church. I think it's about time you guys did this. And I was like, mm, okay. Nothing for my parents yet. So we were over uh, in Naples, that's where they live. And I remember I was toasting my bagel, Einstein's bagel, Asiago cheese, which are good, but it's no Jersey bagel. And my mom goes, I think you need to start a church. And I was like, oh, here it is. That's it. Like, you know, you pray for these things. You're just like, you never really kind of expect an answer, but I got it. I was like, I cannot believe it. My wife and my parents, exactly how I, I prayed for it, unprompted. So I go, all right, well, there it is. But then I had my answer, but I didn't submit fully, which I talked about. I dragged my feet. I, you know, I, I had the answer. I knew what he wanted, but I just didn't, I didn't do anything with it for a while. And what's so interesting is that he and I worked at a church close to here, big church. And um, they brought in this major, nationally renowned consultant to the church to help them sort of formulate a plan for the future. This big church, what are we going to do to reach the community? And in this, this man spoke to every single pastor independently for an hour, an interview. Talk to me about yourself. What are you doing in life? What is your job here? Where do you think the Lord has called you? What are you all this, this, that, and the other thing. And when we were done, I'll never forget it for as long as I live. He puts his paper down, and he looks at me, and he goes, you are uniquely qualified to seamlessly bridge the gap between the church and the unchurched. And you will never have that opportunity here. Okay, there you go. So um, a month later, I handed in my resignation, and we began planning downtown Arbor Church, and here we are. But I say this because this is a prayer that God will answer for you. You just need to listen, and you need to be willing to act and submit no matter what he says. All right? And here's the deal. Throughout this whole process, talking to your friends, reading the Bible, asking for prayer from God, what you're going to learn, it's not about discovering an answer because you're going to get your answer. That's a promise. It's about discovering God. You're going to learn more about him. Your relationship is going to be stronger with him because of this process. That is a guarantee right from his lips. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for this opportunity to come here today. I just, because I know everybody in this room, we are all dealing with something. There's a major decision in all of our lives, and we need your help. We need your help. I pray, God, that today you would put people in our lives who will speak wisdom into our lives, Lord. If we've never read the Bible, Lord, that we may take that leap of faith to begin checking out your word, even when it's hard. I pray, Lord, that you would make it easy for us, Lord, so that we would know your will. Whatever you would have, God, I pray that today you would clear a path for these folks. Allow them to know clearly what you would have them do, God. And if anybody, if any of us is on that wrong path, because we can get there, that you would slam doors. Lord, that you could slam doors and that we just say, all right, it's time to step back. It's time to reevaluate, God. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.